1: Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
0: Support Black Podcasts. Meet Shannon, Cameron, Lauren, and Mel four black women who are bonded by nerd culture as they discuss all things comics games movies and tv join them bi-weekly on the nerds of prey podcast That's Nerds of Prey, P-R-E-Y, Podcast. A different kind of nerd culture podcast because they love you back. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and every place that you find the best in podcasts, including nerdsofpreypodcast.com. Check them out. And remember, support Black Podcasts. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat-Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are on episode 181 of our trek, our road to 200. And during the month of October, we like to bring things that go ooh and boo in the evening. And tonight Vince has a very tasty one for you as we will be reviewing Wesley Snipes in Blade 2. Yes, sir. But before that, ah, we get into all of your feedback from all of the um, emails and social media posts that we've gotten from each and every one of our missionaries, including Joanne Blaylock. Hey, what's up, Joanne? In our Facebook group where she says, great show in regards to our review of Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can now officially
1: put that to rest. I can't. I can't. It's so ridiculous. Like, who's, who's the multi-million dollar salary drawing executive that landed on, you know what we should call it? Ghost Dad
0: when i first heard you guys were reviewing ghost dad the kid in me got excited (laughs) then i remembered what a movie it was and got even more excited Uh, about vince ranting about it vince I recently watched it again as an adult, and you couldn't be more right about how terrible this movie is. I can't believe Bill Cosby and Sydney Portier, Sydney
1: Portier, all caps, yeah,
0: oh yeah, were involved in this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, just terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah, just terrible.
0: Side note: Don Knotts for sure would have killed this role. He murdered this. You know what? Quick, other side note. Okay. I am legitimately tickled that there is a black woman that appreciates the art of
1: Don Knotts. Hey, the missionaries, I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying the thing I love about the missionaries. These are people that I actually want to hang out with. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. I, I, she really just made my day. yes. Yeah. Knowing that.
1: All of us were sitting alone, nerding out by ourselves. <laughs> yes, we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Love you guys. Look forward to next week's episode. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. It was a pleasure to hear from you. We also got an email, Vince. Okay. From Mo Poplar. Hey, what's up, Mo? Now, this email is not in regards to the the episode but it is in regards to our road to 200 okay hey gents I'll be in Morristown New Jersey November 8th through the 10th I don't know if you all are down but I'd love to do the infamous Pulp Fiction episode not sure it needs to be before episode 200 but
1: it's a black film really I'd love to hear this argument Mo continues,
0: I submit, Sam Jackson's Jules is the blackest, most dynamic, fully fleshed out character in cinema. I also submit, contrary to what the Academy had to say, Jules was the main character, not Vincent Vega. And just like Night of the Living Dead, the black guy survives. You got black religion. Black violence, some black exploitation, and a moment of transcendence that is rarely seen in cinema in regards to black characters. He got his black world with Mr. Marcellus, Marvin, and his homegirl Betty, who married a hippie white guy who's too comfortable saying the N-word. And here comes the white boy who's been laying low in Amsterdam that he's got a babysit. And when Brett's buddy misses that shot, he gets out of the business and he's not in that apartment when Palooka goes to get his watch. In real meta, he becomes Nick Fury and starts the Avengers. Yeah, Tarantino is telling this story with his white lens, so Uma Thurman and Travolta get a lot of real estate, but they're the junkies. We stop by huh. to see them on their spiral downward. Winston Marcellus, he's running things, until he's not, and then He's back on top. That was a pun. <laughs> he, he gonna get medieval on his Bruh. I think it also goes without saying that Tarantino never replicates this powerful vision of modern day blackness and a lot of filmmakers insist on perpetuating the cliché of the black best friend with the quips. Sam rises to the occasion to tell the Bruh. out of this story. And it's no wonder he gets all the work. From what I gather, Lynn and I disagree on Django. So, if y'all want to have one for the chamber, something in the back for when the flu comes, or the snow is too deep, let me know. Loving the show. Mo. He makes a very he strong, makes a
1: really strong a really case really strong case Vince and even that year when when John Travolta was nominated there was huge controversy not even controversy because I feel like new line just came out and said the only reason that they submitted John Travolta for best actor instead of Sam Jackson is because they thought John Travolta had a better chance everyone agreed that 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 Sam Jackson could have been nominated for best actor
0: yeah yeah. And in New Line's defense, they're right. Oh, they were absolutely right. That he yeah, would it was have the better a strategic because decision.
1: He does have that middle section where he is without Sam. And, it, well, it was a great comeback story. No, 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 they were right because it was actually a, a better strategy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think within the film, you could have made the case for. Actually, I think in the film, you could have made the case for both of them. No, no, yes, true.
0: Yeah. True. But what about Moe's case about Pulp Fiction being a black film?
1: I think when you think about the characters and an actual character arc I think Jules is the only one with an arc He is. Vince's beginning is the same from the beginning to the end if you rearrange it chronologically Bruce Willis doesn't Bruce really have Willis an arc Bruce Willis's character doesn't have an arc, Uma Thurman's character doesn't have an arc I I I think I might be on board
0: with this. I would not have called Pulp Fiction a black film. Until this exact I think this is a
1: great argument. Yeah. I think this is the great I think that I think if Mo if, may have booked himself a show. I think so. Like if a character is
0: is the through line, it's Jules. Yeah, he definitely is the through line for the film. And
1: he is the like he said, he's the one that walks away. I mean, he's the one that walks away, but again, and I, the I think he's the one that lives. I think it, it's it's even more important that he is in a different place at the end of the film. Well, that's what I mean. Then he, well, I mean, he could have died and still been in a different place. Okay, but right. I'm saying then he was in the beginning. Yes, and that's a great moment where where he says, I- "I'm trying to be better." mhm Yeah, I'm, yeah. All right. Be, all right, Mo.
0: <laughs> there you well, go. You did it, Mo. There you, you did it, Mo. All right, so we'll have to make it work
1: sometime during that weekend, and and that'll that'll it, you know we're out of town that weekend. Yeah, on the ninth. Yeah, yeah. So and, well, and, uh... and 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 this will also propel me towards my um my episode that that I'm going to get in there before before two hundred, the greatest black love story ever told, Django, Django Unchained. Yeah, but you. I'm know... waiting for like we'll do like February like love stories and. Or, or like love stories.
0: You know, I always think it's funny you say, you you say that Django Unchained's the greatest black love story ever told. Because do you ever see on uh, a Hollywood Reporter does like this little roundtable thing, mm-hmm. and Will Smith was on part of the roundtable? Yeah. and he says why the reason why he did turned down Django mm-hmm. was because it wasn't about love.
1: I, I, you know what? The other argument that Will Smith made, where, where he said that, but that he turned it down because Django doesn't kill the big bad which to me is another complete misreading mm-hmm. of the script yeah Candy isn't the big villain the The text says from beginning to end that he is a dumbass Bruh. like he's the white guy obviously he owns the plantation right but um, Samuel Jackson's character is the mastermind that's right. To me, he's the ultimate villain in Django. Mm-hmm. So this centering of Candy as the great evil, much like saying there's nothing to, how is Django not about love? That's the whole movie. I'm just telling you what Will Smith said. Well, I respectfully disagree with Will Smith because Django is is from from the very moment he, look, I'm going to get Hildy. I agree, Don. That's his entire character development. I'm going to get my wife. When he fantasizes, he fantasizes about his wife.
0: I hear you. It's interesting though. If we do pulp fiction, mm-hmm. you got Django Unchained, mm-hmm. and I actually planned within before we get to 200 to do Jackie Brown.
1: Absolutely.
0: Would you have thought that we'd have got three Tarantino movies in before two hundred? No, that, that just no. dawned on me.
1: I actually would have thought too. Well, until this conversation, I never would have thought of pole a Paul. That's the reason, yeah. Man, but yeah,
0: yeah, you'd, it'd have been Jackie and Django. Yeah,
1: Jackie and Django. Wow, more popular. More popular. Uh, Indie Wire reports. So make your case, folks. Mickey you, you know I love this Mickey Case Missionaries. Well, I'm waiting for for um the lady to come back with um the Dark Crystal.
0: <laughs> I don't know you might miss this In our early days. We were actually at one time we're booked that we were going to review the Dark Crystal. And I was waiting here to hear the argument. Fortunately things didn't pan out. Well, you know. But I w- I was ready.
1: Hope Springs Eternal. I was ready. Yeah.
0: At one point, I was actually just going to choose the Dark Crystal just because I wanted to, to see whether or not it was
1: really, what it hold up? Which McCall was like, I didn't know that slaves got married. <laughs> and Django said, well, I don't know about slaves. I know me and my wife are married. I said, "Django, don't give a fuck about nobody but his wife. Okay, all right, look, look, first of all, First of all, we're done with Django. Okay, I'm just saying. Second of all, you know I love that bruh, Django.
0: Apparently, yes. Yeah, so you also love the F word. Yeah. So let's 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 calm down. Uh, all right. right? All, right, all right? right. I ain't got time to do all this much editing. All this much. Ed- I ain't all got right. that many bras in the that chamber. Many, many bruhs. It's like about eight already. Those endless bras. <laughs> no, there's not endless, endless bras. No, there's not a bottomless well of bras. <laughs> Crazy over here. Missionaries writing in words. Joanne cursing. What the hell's going on? <laughs> anyway, Indy Wire reports. That daughters of the dust director Julie Dash oh, finally making her second
1: film. I'm so, so she is happy
0: set to helm that. a biopic about Angela Davis. Yes, that Lionsgate is producing. Yes. Dash made history with daughters of the dust as it was the first feature film from a black woman to receive theatrical distribution in the United States when it Love premiered it. at Sundance in
1: 1991. Um. Are you excited for this, Vince? I am so excited, but more than excited, I am happy for Julie Dash. Me too. I am so happy for her. Me too. And for people who
0: may not be aware of who Angela Davis, the person that she plans to do this, uh, the biopic of,
1: give people the 30-second bio on Angela Davis. Oh my goodness. Activists in the 60s. Um... Social critic mm-hmm. was 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 arrested on some trumped up charges at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, went to um. Wasn't you a communist or something at one time? Uh, uh, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe I think she was a communist. Yeah, at just one off
1: point. the top of my head, is I, I'm I'm kind of getting her in like a side of Shakur. The details right. garbled up. Yeah. But but but. But just, just a fantastically thoughtful. Cause I always like Angela Davis for how thoughtful she was. Mm-hmm. Like I know we liked oh they're yelling and and we you know it's the afros and the guns, but Angela Davis was always very thoughtful to me. Yeah, and 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 I can't think of a better person.
0: And academic, she was a professor. Yeah, um, out in California. Yeah, I think I she remember. still
1: might be if she hasn't retired.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's, uh, I think she's like in her seventies.
1: Yeah, like but but I I think this is a beautiful project.
0: Yeah, and and I think um, no better person to helmet than Julie Dash. Absolutely, so I'm absolutely very excited for to see her return. And and you know she's already she's been working because she's, she's been working, working on, on Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar, yeah.
1: So, which uh, as always, shout shout out to Aver Duvernay. Yep, because I think Avery Duvernay has been a large part of the reason that we're talking about Julie Dash in the present tense. hmm. So yeah
0: recently Vince Turner Classic Movies yes aired three Motown uh, yes movies I guess they did they aired uh, just um, on the 22nd I was about to say it just happened The Last Dragon mm-hmm. Lady Sings the Blues mm-hmm. and Mahogany oh yeah and then they plan to do a series of podcasts about yeah. the films with TCM host Alicia Malone and in partnership with the African American Film Critics Association. Yes. Um, where member Christopher Witherspoon will join Alicia as they discuss these three classic Motown
1: productions. Absolutely. Um, People on a podcast talking about black movies, I'm always supportive of. I am supportive of that <laughs> as well. Um, and,
0: you know, those are, you know, three three films like worthy worthy of discussion absolutely
1: worthy of discussion we've discussed two of them ourselves and we will eventually get to the third yeah yeah how is mahogany not showed up
0: well mahogany lady sings the blues i think lady sings the blues trumps mahogany you know what i like mahogany better than lady sings the blues maybe so but yeah. i think Lady sings the blues is considered the more more important, the more important film. Okay, I'll go along with and that. And the last and the last dragon is a cult, uh, the certifiable cult classic. Absolutely. So mahogany gets lost in the sauce. Yeah, song.
1: mahogany gets lost in the sauce sometimes.
0: Yeah, you know what? Also, I think mahogany gets lost underneath the weight of Lady sings the blues. True, but also because it came out around the same time as like Sparkle. Okay. And, you know, like Sparkle gets a lot of shine. Okay. So, I, okay. I think that's I think yeah. that's
1: part of the reason. What do I know? Eh, it's a black movie. We'll get to it, though. Yeah, we maybe have no not, choice. Maybe not before 200. We're close enough to 200 now that we actually have to start doing disclaimers. I know, right. <laughs> maybe not before 200. But we'll get there.
0: But we'll get there. We will get there. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get there. Um, this is an interesting, just, I don't even need to read the story. It's just an interesting headline that Suge Knight, signed his life rights over to
1: R.J. Ray J. Ray J. Hey, man. I'm well documented. Raymond Jonathan Norwood, American treasure. Suge Knight could be in prison for
0: the rest of his life, but he doesn't want to go out a broke man so he's entrusting Ray J to cash in (laughs) on his name says TMZ. Sources close to the former Death Row Records boss tell TMZ he signed over his life rights to Ray with the expectation he'll make the right decisions with Suge's story (laughs) and make some money for him and his family while he's behind bars. Our sources say a documentary on Suge and his famous record label is already being developed, as well as a project about Tupac Shakur, and there are discussions of bringing Def Row back. On the latter, we're told that it's a long shot that would require additional investor, but Suge's <laughs> letting Ray take the reins on exploring the venture. That's right. Why not? Of course. All of this is huge for Ray J and his bank account too, which is a nice follow up to the lucrative $1 million deal he inked in August to get people to invest in the weed biz. I
1: was going to say, don't act like Ray J needs money. Ray J is doing just fine.
0: Yeah, uh, looks like he's now in charge of two major enterprises, not to mention side hustles in headphones and scooter industries.
1: I I was not aware of this this, Ray J empire. Quietly, all jokes aside, He is a good little businessman. And I'm saying little. The man's like in his 30s. He's a good businessman. Like, ha, 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 ha. Ray J, Brandy's little brother. Ha, 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 ha. Ray J actually makes moves. Yeah. And has been making moves, like, consistently. So, there you
0: go. Um, CBS. Yes. Yes apparently huge fans of Netflix, Luke Cage... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. ...has renewed, given their TV series Evil, upon yeah. which Mike Coulter mm-hmm. co-stars with Katja Herbers of Westworld, um, a S- season two renewal. That's right. And everything got full season order. As a matter of fact, all of their first season yeah. shows have... E- have um been ordered for a full first season, which means like they've ordered like the back half of the season, which includes Carol's second act, Bob Hart's uh Abishala. Yeah. Um, which is actually a kind of a cute show. I actually okay. watched that the other day. The Unicorn. Okay. And Simone Mystic's Yes All sir. Rise.
1: All Rise. Which is
0: their number one r um rated New show. I was about to say it's a bona fide hit. Bonafide hit. Along with Evil, which is their spectacular spiritually tinged thriller from Robert and Michelle King, the people that brought you the Good Wife. Yes. So um that's cool. That's it. That, that, yeah, that's, that's very great. happy for Mike and and for Simone. My favorite kind of black actors working. I know that's right. Black actors and CBS got a long dough. That's right. With all the networks that's they got right. The so, congratulations Congrats. to all of them. Uh, let's see. Eric LaSalle is not going to be <laughs> returning to coming back to America.
1: It's funny. I was just listening to our rapping episode actually like this morning i was listening to rap oh really talking about eric lasalle and i thought about this story like eric lasalle is too busy to come to coming to america mm-hmm. and it's like yeah huh yeah uh-huh. i remember you was rapping right <laughs> yeah i saw that yeah bro <laughs> yeah bro come down
0: off that highway uh-huh Uh, (laughs) um m jason graham asked a question okay i'm interested i'm interested in what people think is the significance of black women in the emotional caretaker roles in joker which you still haven't seen i still have not seen it um
1: i think he's speaking about zz um be, bat, beats. I yeah. mean, from the commercial, Zazzy wasn't beats. his uh, social worker black too? Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's there. Right. Um, right, you saw it, so I don't think I don't pull any crazy significance on them being black women. I mean, I guess maybe there is some to pull there. If anything, it would speak well. Of Todd Phillips and the characters' image of black women, in that they are the nurturers, right in the in this film, even though they seemingly get turned on in the film, <laughs>
1: right. um,
0: for, but for no for no
1: reason. You want to mess around with this crazy Bruh.
0: boy? boy. Ain't messing with the Joker. <laughs> so, um, uh, so so there's that. Don Miskell answered that that's a valid question because there are three black female characters and no black men. The ladies are either mothers, lovers, administrators, and or victims. I think that very well may be a reason to all this. And there actually is one brother in the movie. Brian Tyree Henry is in the movie
1: for like a a quick scene. Does he get murdered? Does he have on a dress? (laughs) No,
0: he does not have on a dress. And he does not get murdered. Yeah, I have no faith in Todd Phillips at all
1: with this kind of stuff.
0: Uh, Steve Tosen hey Steve six million dollar triple says I'm inviting my friends a little bit at a time to the Mio mission and he's yes, right yes because over the course of the love lands, it love it 10 days I think about 50 people that's you know what, right of which Kirsten Melvy says I am one of those friends yes welcome Kirsten and while I am excited about the topic, topics in the comments. I also curse you. <laughs> like I got time to spend luxuriously reading posts not related to business. Hey, wait till you start listening to the podcast. <laughs> Deanna Walter says thanks for the invite. Yes, and and Steve says my crew rolls deep and in fact they do. Alright. So And
1: thank you Steve.
0: Thank you to Steve. Thank you very much Steve. So we really do appreciate it. We really do. So this is the 15 that have joined since the last time we welcomed people. Okay. Sunday May Simpson. Andrew Paul. Teneil Jenkins Shields. Nathan Adams. Wycliffe Wilkinson. There's a name. Nadra McLean. Darnell David. Azalich S. Nakia Kivi Vaughn. Clarissa Clay. T. Lisa Booker. Peyton Rawls. Peyton Rawls. You sound like you're a blues player. (laughs) Derek Cates. Eves Agbri, And Key D. Brooks. Vince and I say hello and welcome. Welcome to the mission. You've joined just in time because we are on the road to 200. Yes, we are. Which will be coming your way in February, February 27th, 2020 at the world famous World Cafe Live here in Philadelphia. Vince and I will be putting on a live broadcast of the Michaud Mission reviewing 1971's Shaft starring Richard Roundtree and directed by Gordon Parks. The one and only. And our review will be followed by a 70s soundtrack soul train dance party, the likes of which you have never seen ever. We're inviting all of the missionaries to come down, come in all of your 70s paraphernalia. We will be decked out in 70s paraphernalia. We will have a signature drink, the Micho Mission, that will be there. World Cafe Live, great food, great <clears throat> drinks, great atmosphere, great times. And we are... Almost. 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 There, there you go. That's a good word. <laughs> You're right. Almost ready to announce who our very special DJ is for the evening. I'm telling you. This is going to be insane. Yes. It is going to be bananas. Tickets are on sale right now. Go to our website, michomission.com. Go to events. There's the link. Get your tickets. Seating is limited. We want to see you there. We want you to be in the place. Alright? Alright. Alright. Time for us to get to episode 181. Yes, sir. And our review of, wait a minute. One more thing. Oh. One more thing. Oh. I forgot. I, I knew I had something else to read. Because we, at the top of a lot of our shows, you've been hearing our request for people to leave us rankings and ratings on Apple Podcasts. Yes. And we've got a new one. All right. From Pacino Sin. Hey, Pacino Chin. Sin. Sin. Sorry. And five-star review. Thank you. Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the beginning of episode 179, unlike that bum team down in Texas, (laughs) I found your cowboy talk very entertaining. Especially seeing as there were many black cowboy stories in our country's history that is glossed over in our education and entertainment field. That's right. It needs to be rectified and soon, and no Van People's Passe does not count. (laughs) Oh, and Vince, due to your self-imposed lack of sports knowledge, I will inform you that the Bum Team in Texas is the NFL Cowboys. Thank you for that, because I thought it was the Dallas Westerns. (laughs) America's Team, my butt. (laughs) And yes, you still don't care. (laughs) It's true. Keep up the mission, fellows, (laughs) and I'll keep listening and spreading the word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, and you're bringing up Cowboys actually brings to mind um, Vince and I were talking before the show. Oh, boy. Both were huge fans of HBO's
1: new series, Watchmen. Easy, because I'm not getting pulled in.
0: Written and directed by Damon Lindelof, starring the Iridescent Regina King. <laughs> and we want to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, for those who are asking, Vince and I, we love it so much. We don't have the time because we realize, yes, George Kimona, we're very late on Spock Adjacent. Um, so we don't have time to do a separate Watchmen podcast, though we want. To. She put on that outfit. I said oh, <laughs> uh, well, dude, first time she shows
1: up, and her shoulders. Anyway, oh, on uh, uh, anyway. So I didn't well, know my fantasy was watching Regina King beat the shit out of a white supremacist, but uh, apparently it is. <laughs> I, I got one more. I got because I did. I, yeah, I said whoop his bruh. ass, Regina King. <laughs> don't don't act like you didn't say the same
0: thing. Houston, we're going to need more brus. Um <laughs> But what Vince and I have decided, ladies and gentlemen, is that um, Watchmen is only going to be nine episodes. Right. So after episode five of The Watchmen, we right. will debut a very short-lived um two-piece podcast. Right, we're
1: just gonna check in.
0: We're just gonna check in. Check in. It'll be the binge lounge, a.k.a. Right. the guys in the trunk. Right. As Michelle
1: Mission watches the
0: Watchmen. Watch- Michelle Mission watches the Watchmen, and then we will return to it at the end of the That's series. That's right. Just, just, so just wrap up. Save your commentary. Right. Because we're, we're gonna go in. Right. <laughs> Alright. Let's get into Blade 2. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages.
1: vampire nation. They're offering you a truce. They want to meet with you. You sure about this? They'll take us in deeper than we've ever been. Now, those he has sworn to kill need his help to fight a new breed of terror. They're no longer top of the food chain. Our forces are ready to fight, but we need a leader. Let me get this right. You want me to hunt them? For you? (sighs) Five, four, three, two, one, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. know who you are messing with! Blade 2.
0: Blade 2, a 2002 American superhero film based on the fictional character Blade from Marvel Comics, is the sequel to the first film, Blade, and the second part of the Blade film series. Ooh, It's followed by Blade Trinity. It was written by David Goyer, who also wrote the previous film, but directed by Academy Award winning Guillermo del Toro. Yep. And features Wesley Snipes returning as the lead character as well as producer. The film follows the human vampire hybrid Blade and his continuing effort to protect humans from vampires, finding himself in a fierce battle against a group of extremely savage, powerful mutant vampires who seem to commit global genocide of both vampire and human races. The movie was released on March of 2002 and was indeed a box office success grossing over $155 million. Received mixed reviews from critics. However, it earned praise for its performances, atmosphere, and action sequence. In this film, Vince's selection for this stop on the Michelle mission, Vince. What say you of Blade Two? II?
1: Blade Two's not bad. Blade Two's not bad. I I, I think Blade Two is is the source of debate. Is strong, but people who like Blade, you you I think you can equally find people who like Blade Two better mm-hmm. than Blade One, mm-hmm. and you you understand the argument that can be made. I like Blade 2. I don't think Blade 2 is as good as Blade 1, which while it doesn't make it a failure, it does mean that there is a downward trend right. from the first one. Like, if you're not going to be better than the first, then by definition, you're worse than the first. Right. And I think there are two aspects to Blade 2 that really kind of hobble it. When you compare it to the first film, one reason is is more aesthetic than anything else, and then the other one I think is is much more fundamental Mm -hmm. to the film. The first has to do with when Blade Two came out. I think Blade One comes out in ninety nine. No, not ninety nine. Not nine. It's before ninety nine. Oh, what's it? It's ninety seven or ninety eight. And I'll tell you why I'm so adamant. Ninety eight. You're right. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I know that in a moment the first blade is effortlessly cool in its world building in its sense of place Mm -hmm. and its establishment of this character and this mythology. And when you look at the set design and the costumes in blade, we, we, we talked about it. Blade was like nothing that we had seen. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the, the, the 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 tattoos and and the use of of leather as costuming and and this sort of this sort of modern interpretation of vampire vampirism and vampire society like everything that blade did and we talked about it people took from people built built on the foundation set by blade but ultimately Blade was utterly unique. Yes. Blade 2 comes out in 2002. And in between 1998 and 2002, in 1999, the Matrix comes out. Mm. And the Matrix shifted the entire universe. Yep. When we talked about how movies look. Yes. Costuming, action sequences, everything. And I think... Blade Two looks like a film that, in many ways, is trying to out Matrix the Matrix. Mm. The character designs are all cool, like you know K E W L, and and there's the you know there's this vampire gang, the Blood Pack, mm-hmm. and it's like Rob Leefield <laughs> and Jim Lee and, and just some thirteen year old boys. Came up with their idea of what's cool, mm-hmm. and and they they are they're all it's it's like this really complicated leather costuming that everybody has, and, and 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 the blood pack, which are super like these are super vampire people that that are put together that initially they're going to hunt Blade, mm-hmm. and and. There's one guy. He's got the the Damari tribal tattoos around his face, and 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 Donnie Yen is in there, and he doesn't have any any um dialogue, right? Yeah, I think just... he's just there to be Asian and swing a sword around. And yeah. there's a, it's, and it's all just very over the top. Yeah, and and the design is over the top, and ironically, it makes it age really badly like it, this looks like a movie that was made after the matrix mm-hmm. where all of these movies were out were all trying to out matrix the matrix mm-hmm. and it's a shame because again blade is where a lot of this began began so blade if blade is just blade it's it's fine right which leads to my other real reservation about embracing this film I think a, another thing that that Blade 2 has to grapple with is that Blade 1 was seamless. It had a beginning, it had a middle, it had an end. Mm-hmm. It established the world. You got this whole, you know, talk we were talking about character arcs in in pulp fiction. It's it's a whole journey of the hero mm-hmm. in Blade 1 where where he he faces his fears. He defeats the monster he's been chasing his entire life. Mm -hmm. He reconciles with his memory of his mother. Mm -hmm. His father figure, played by Chris Christofferson, um, Whistler dies. Mm -hmm. So now he, the, the father has died and the sun rises and becomes his own man. There's really no more story to tell, right? At the end of Blade. And Blade Two never really gets over that hump. No, no. They resurrect Whistler because I guess they you got to bring Chris Christopherson back somehow. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they have this whole pack of vampire hunters mm-hmm. that that has been put together to hunt Blade. So instead of 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 this really nuanced world building that you get in Blade where they don't show you everything but, but you get the allusion to this bigger world that's exactly. just right off of screen and lets your imagination fill in now you have all of these people it's the sequel so you have to get bigger yep. so you're not just vi- fighting vampires you're fighting super vampires mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just really unwieldy And and again it doesn't justify its own existence having said that the the two things that I think makes this film you know not bad as opposed to oh I don't even know what they're doing Wesley Snipes is fantastic yep Wesley Snipes is at the top of his form and I think um, Guillermo Del Toro very very smartly takes advantage of Wesley Snipes athleticism mm-hmm. his martial arts prowess mm-hmm. and 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 everything that Wesley Snipes brings as an action hero in 2002
0: yeah his presence
1: his presence but there isn't there, there isn't a lot of special effects mm-hmm. in in the fights and the ones that are are dodgy i'll talk about that yeah. in a minute oh well, yeah but 85 to 90% of the fight sequences are just Wesley Snipes or or you know I guess a stunt I mean at some point there hasn't yeah, been a there's a stunt, a, the stunt guy a you know, couple of times there's see, a stunt but, but it's really just a couple of times yeah, yeah. like Wesley Snipes he is a does, special effect he is the special effect right and then Guillermo del Toro's the practical effects mm-hmm. like I you know the, the everything I just said about it's a, it's a super vampire Mm-hmm. But the design is fantastic, Mm -hmm. and and you completely understand how this is a part of Guillermo del Toro's body of work, right? Where this is a director who has a specific and unique vision. Yes, and 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 it's just—I mean—it's a well-directed film. Yeah, like like the staging and 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 the, the 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 action sequences are all well done, so that. You know, again, but at the end, like, I like Blade 2. Like, Blade 2 is all right. Ron Perlman's in it. I think Ron Perlman helps everything. True. Like, I think Ron Perlman should just be in everything. Yeah. So, like, it's the cool vampire Blade Hunters, and it's like, oh, my God, are you serious? But then Ron Perlman's there. It's like, hey, it's Ron Perlman. So, you know, I like it. No, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's funny that you you point out
0: how... You know that you know you get told about this whole bigger world, and you almost feel like because Blade Blade was so different, the original original film, it was so different, it, 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 it that it hit like a, a thunder strike mm. w- when it did. But you also feel that maybe not Wesley because Wesley. You always get the sense it has a certain a certain air of hubris that you know is unmatched in mm-hmm. in human history. But all of the other uh, people involved with Blade, including the writer David Goyer, um, and including probably Marvel Comics and New Line Cinema themselves, mm-hmm. had no idea of what they were getting right when that movie came out. And when it does hit the way it does, they're like, oh. Oh, I think we have something
1: here. (laughs) We've stumbled into something.
0: Well, looky here. (laughs) Hey, we need another (laughs) (laughs) one. So David Goyer is like, yay. You signed the check. Right, right. Here you go. So now he starts, oh God, I've got to build a world. I've got to manufacture drama. Damn, we killed the dad. <laughs> Look, they put a bow on it. You know, like, I they mean, put a bow on it. I know. It. I mean, they blew the man up. Yeah. So, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's a comic book. Everybody comes back. Nobody really dies in a comic book. <laughs> right. Come on, they brought Bucky back. Yeah, they man. bring Bucky back. and hey, you know, In the comics, you bring Bucky back, you can bring back. Bring you can bring back, back
1: Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So they bring back so they bring back Whistler in this trumped up story. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we're in the beginning of Star Wars. I'm looking for the scroll going up. (laughs) You know, like filling us in on what happened. I'm like, when when did this happen? He got killed. Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure he blew up four years ago. <laughs> what? What happened? I'm like, they just like, they just like Jedi wave. It Didn't happen. This right. Was, oh, yeah. This was not the whistler you were looking for. What the hell are y'all talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. So they're like, oh, I'm, so you just, you just buckle up like, all right, I'm here. Let's go. But then this movie from Guillermo del Toro is the first sign to me in his in his whole history that you can sense his pattern Guillermo del Toro who it you're right is a man with a vision man with a singular and very specific voice that he brings to his films mm-hmm. but he saves his his most his sweet spot the things that are closest to his heart. To the works that are closest to his heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then every other one is a thing that he does for basically, you know, the, the for them. He right. One for me, one for them. Right. And then in the ones that he does for them, meaning like the movie companies or the investors and what have you, he tends to put in a lot of his, his, um, remembrances of his childhood into those films and you saying like this film as opposed to the sleek unabashed coolness of Blade this film just reads like just steroid driven over the top Image Comics of the 90s right? type of vibe. like You can literally see the the big muscles and pouches on everybody when mm-hmm. you're looking at the blood pack.
1: <laughs> the blood pack.
0: Just the name. If, like, if you know Image Comics of the 90s, the blood pack is definitely a, right. a book that would be on the shelves. Um, with some Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld knockoff drawing it because right. they were too busy doing Youngblood and right. Wildcats. And counting money. And, ca- and counting tons of money. Yeah. Um, with a special issue by Todd McFarlane that would never come out. But that's a whole other side of the comic. But those are the comic books that Guillermo del Toro w- would read, mm-hmm. w- loved. And those were the comics that were, were hot at the time. Mm-hmm. So he's going to give you that. Right. With touches of Guillermo in there. With the whole character designs of the... um
1: The Reapers. The Reapers, yeah.
0: and those designs are really—I'm like the first time you see one of the mouths just open yeah. sideways. You're like, ah, yeah, We're, whoa, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, girl, mo Yeah, <laughs> you know, for this nightmare to come.
1: Yeah, oh yeah.
0: But, uh, but, it, but that's what he does, and that is that is like steadfast you know, the blueprint for him because he follows Blade 2 with Hellboy. That's right. Another comic book movie, but a comic book movie that speaks to his sweet spot. Yes, it does. I mean, that's the one that he really like, oh my God, I love this joke. Oh, yeah. I mean, Uh, he follows that up with Pan's Labyrinth. Definitely, that's in his wheelhouse because that's his story. Then he does Hellboy 2, which is more one doing one for them Mm -hmm. because he really did Hellboy Hellboy One. Hellboy Two, he kind of did for them, and it feels like he kind of phoned it, help. Yeah, 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 Hellboy
1: Two's kind of phoned in.
0: You know? Um, follows that with Pacific Rim, another one for them, but that's him taking his childhood, all yeah. his anime and mangas and, you know, the Gundams. Mm-hmm. You know, good. I get to have fun with that. You know, and that that is not long followed by his Academy Award-winning movie, The Shape of Water, right. which is all Guillermo del Toro. Right. So that's the blueprint. Right. So and it all began here with Blade Two. Right. Which to your point, is not a bad film. Mm-hmm. It's a fun action film. Wesley Snipes is great in the mo- in the movie. He's cool in the movie, but he's definitely. 90's action film cool. Right. He's not on another level. Right. He's not and you're right. This film had just had the confidence of just leaning on on Wesley even if because Blade, because excuse me, The Matrix was so game changing mm-hmm. in the way that films looked and felt. Even though it stole a lot of his aesthetics from Blade it did up it a little bit. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to give, you know, credit where credit is due. But if Blade 2, as opposed to trying to be in that realm, just stays where it is, stayed in just its stays own re- lane. It stays That's in its right. lane, stays real grounded. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It could have been that much more satisfying of a film. And I want to think that as, as, big ahead as Wesley Snipes has I think Wesley Snipes also is a one is an extremely talented actor mm-hmm. and a very intelligent man yes absolutely. and I want to think that sometime along the way of him doing this film as much as he's probably enjoying himself he probably is getting the sense this is probably not where we need to go yeah this is going to be a hit God bless it right but this is probably not where
1: we need to go. Well, you know I mean? th- th- this is the film that they make the mistake and then they double down on it in Blade 3 in their defense f- for a lot of reasons cuz including Wesley Snipes. True. Where they dilute Blade. Exactly. Like I kept look like why is there so many people on the screen right now? Mm-hmm. Like you look and it's Blade and eight other people. Yes. Yes, yeah, so because go- they have their little arc and Right, like right. So the name of the movie is really Blade in the Blood Pack. Right, right, right.
0: And that's not what you tune in for.
1: And that's not what Blade you tuned, was. You
0: tune in for a return to that world with Blade being your window into it.
1: You offered sleek for Blade. I'll give you another adjective: lean. Yes, Blade is lean. Yes. If you look at Blade, Blade is on the screen at any given time with Chris Christopherson mm-hmm. or with, oh my God, I can't forget. I I can't believe I just forgot my girl's name. In Bushy Wright. Or in Bushy Wright. Mm-hmm. This is not a big bang thing. This And when you have an actor like Wesley Snipes who besides his physical prowess because again, he's in fine form even here. He is a good actor. Mm-hmm. You don't need a whole lot of people and a whole lot of movement. Wesley Snipes can carry a scene, yes, with another actor. so it's it's just unnecessary. It, it
0: really is and the unnecessary is the whole story machinations because David Goyer now tasks with, oh, we've got a sequel, right. So instantly sees well, if we can do one sequel, we can do two sequels. So that's why all of a sudden the whole world has to be right. built out. So no, we're not just going. He doesn't have villains that he has to fight. He also has people that are coming after him that he has to that are fighting him. Right, and then they have got to have this whole thing where they're teaming up with him oh to help, And it's like all these these stupid story machinations, right, right. Where if you again, and it's not, and believe me, there's not so much wanting this to be the movie that we want. It's just that seeing the opportunities lost right, you know,
1: especially since the template has it's already, already been, been set, yeah, right you, like we're like we're not making up stuff right so so if you want to go through the machinations of
0: having bringing Whistler back, okay. Right, you do that. Right. If you then want to go through the re- reckon, uh, the machinations of while Whistler is back, Blade had to find like another kind of like tech guy, so he gets Norman Reedus character Scud, you know, <laughs> um, in there
1: to help him. The most, the most obvious betrayal in the history of of um stories, yes, which is fine. <laughs> Which is fine. It's like Judas and Benedict Arnold are sitting in the crowd going, Really? This guy? Are, are doing, really? <laughs> then all you really need for the rest of this film,
0: do away with the big bad. Do away with the Reapers and the and the demon fronts and this whole backstory of the of uh uh, you know, he's the son of, <laughs> of this guy, the
1: sister of this chick. And, and <laughs> there are
0: signet rings
1: involved. Yeah, all of
0: a sudden, <laughs> we don't even need all, all that. It's
1: all of this.
0: All you need is you can still keep your blood pack. Because Guillermo del Toro's got a hard-on for Ron Perlman. He throws right, him right. into almost every movie. I mean, so look, and man. It's Ron why not? Perlman. That's good seasoning. Yeah. So you bring him, Ron Perlman. You bring in all these other guys. You have Donnie Yen. You don't Now maybe you got some room to give him some dialogue. Right. And you just have him hunting Blade. That's your movie.
1: I'll do even one better. The opening sequence when he finds Whistler. To me that like the whole movie could be him looking for Whistler. Exactly. Just have him look for Whistler. Actually, Blade
0: Two could have been an opening sequence. This could've been the shortest film. <laughs> this movie would have made twenty
1: million dollars. Right. He's trying to find Whistler. <laughs> Oh, look, there's Whistler. Have him find <laughs> Whistler. And then the the, the second act com, uh, complication is, is Whistler actually a vampire now? What are we going to do with Whistler? What's the deal with Whistler? Right. And then you find out that Scud had something to do with them getting a hold
0: of Whistler. Right. So then it's still the then, betrayal. They, they, right.
1: Done. The end, you know there's a little thing and and talking about the the, the tone, and this, this might just be my own thing. The first film is shot in Los Angeles, and there's a very, and you said gritty, there's this very gritty urban feel that I think separates Blade Mm. from a lot of these kind of sci-fi kung fu, you you know, I'm, I'm thinking about even the Matrix to a certain degree, or or, what was, what's, or, or the Underworld series, or well, all the all, films that follow in its wake. All these films, I feel like Prague doesn't work as well mm. as I feel like Blade should be in a be on an urban landscape. Maybe Zoe Kravitz, <laughs> Zoe Kravitz <laughs> maybe Zoe Kravitz can get involved. But there's this real. This is going to continue to two hundred. You oh, realize? oh 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 oh. oh. Zoe Kravitz is urban <laughs> is the most beautifully racist thing that I've heard since you speak so well. Like the purity of the racism of Zoe Kravitz is urban is remarkable. Mm-hmm. But I just I just didn't like the Prague and and I think they I, I'm pretty sure Blade Three is also filmed. I think so in Prague. I I didn't like that. And that's just maybe that's just a personal preference.
0: Thing. I think it's a personal thing, but I will say that there is, and this and this may just be Guillermo del Toro, or maybe just a increased budget. There is a sheen to Blade Two, yeah, that's not there in in Blade that. It helps it separate the two films as far as feel and tone. Yeah, you know. So and uh, um, but like I said, I think that may be more the budget and Guillermo del Toro, his vision, absolutely being a more defined vision than Steve Norrington's. absolutely in the original.
1: Yeah, and let's be clear. I think this is a perfect film for October mm-hmm. because this is very much Guillermo del Toro's vision. Oh yeah. And this is you, you. You called it a superhero film, and I think it is a superhero film. But I think this is also a horror film.
0: It is a horror film. I mean, like you said, like the the character designs of of the Reapers. Um, there there is some very very disturbing uh, effects in this film. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's some gore. Oh it. Absolutely, there is some, there is some body gore in this thing that is really really disturbing. So much so, it leads to a segue to how this was the first horror film that I introduced <laughs> my daughter
1: to. Uh, yes, parenting with Lynn. Yes, yeah, sit back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen.
0: Return with me now to the year of two thousand two. Ah, yes, bygone uh, era. Where. My daughter, now 2002, Olivia was born in ni- 1993? Okay. Is that right? I mean, it's your daughter. It sounds about right. Okay. I was 26 when she was born. Uh, uh, now I'm forgetting. It. Yeah, she was born in 1993. Okay. Uh, So in 2002, well, she was older than I thought. Okay. Oh, so she
1: was eight. Oh! Eight! <laughs> that, 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 that makes all the difference. That make, that does paint a bit
0: of a difference.
1: No, not really.
0: Not much. Not yeah, not because in not, my mind I thought she was four. Yeah, but not, not really. So an eight-year-old, eight-year-old,
1: eight-year-old Olivia going to see. Blade I'm taking two.
0: taking to see Blade,
1: Blade Two, Blade Two, Blade Two, Blade Two. Blade two. Now Electric
0: the movie. reason why I took her is because, <laughs> please. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm with my friend Frank, who has his his sons, who right. are about two to three years older than Olivia.
1: Okay, so and we're just having
0: a like ten a, and twelve, right? Ten and twelve, and we're Eight, having a sa- spending a Saturday with our kids. Saturday with the kids. What are we going to do with the kids? We took them to get water ice. Yes, and we're going to take them to a
1: movie. All right, goes.
0: And team. and Frank is Frank is a guy who doesn't like to see a lot of kids films if he can help it. All right well. And I, I I don't mind kid films. But actually, I don't think there was any kid films that out sure, at the well, time. Of course not. And what else would you want to take to so, see but Blade 2? And the boys wanted to see Blade 2. The boys, and certainly you always listen
1: to 10 and 12 year olds.
0: And Olivia wanting to be down with the boys. That's right. She was like, sure.
1: Let's all go see go Blade 2. Let's all go, go, go see Blade 2.
0: So I take so I'm like, all right, cool. She's 10 years old but she's with an adult.
1: She's with an adult. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. So we take the kids to see Blade Two. Blade Two. Blade Two.
0: And me and me and Frank sit behind the kids. They're sitting like because it's like in
1: the middle of the afternoon, right? Right. Right. Um, so let them sit by themselves.
0: Well, they sit like one row,
1: above. just one row. You can see them. Yeah. So be quiet. <laughs> I'm just listening to you tell the story of you taking your eight year old daughter to see Blade Two. So they
0: sit there, Olivia sits in between them, they got popcorn candy. They are enjoying the film.
1: It's a, it's a fun film. They're,
0: they're fun. laughing, they're looking at the action sequence. The action mm-hmm. sequences, like we say, are fantastic. Especially the fight after he when he's chasing Deacon Frost.
1: Oh, yeah. All throughout
0: that building, they're up on like the, the Not scaffold. Deacon Frost
1: is Blade it, Two.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know Reaper Man. Reaper Man. Reaper Joe. Reaper <laughs> There you go. Anyway. It's so they're they're enjoying it loving it, right? We get out of there, they they're laughing. He <laughs> spend the rest of the day, go home, time to go to bed.
1: Nah oh, no, it's no the sun has gone down. It's better. I
0: I I as always read Olivia a story. Of course. She goes to sleep. Goes to sleep. I go to my room. Go to
1: your room. Turn on the TV. Turn on the TV. TV. Yeah.
0: Oh I think I'm watching this a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About half an hour into the game, mm-hmm. I notice, I look at the door. Olivia's standing there in the doorway.
1: Ooh, plot twist.
0: And she's bawling. Oh! She's crying her eyes out.
1: Did she have a bad dream?
0: She had a bad dream.
1: Ah. What did she dream about? Was it clowns? No. she uh, Was it bees? Did she dream about bees? No, she didn't dream about bees.
0: Oh, what'd she dream about? <laughs> well... She didn't dream about vampires,
1: if that's what you're getting at. No, no she no, no, no. did not. No, what did she, she dream about? But she
0: She dreamt she dreamt about blood.
1: Blood, 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 blood,
0: blood. Just saw kept seeing blood. Just kept seeing blood all over the place. All over place. So I let her come in right, right, well, well, and watch the game. And right. she fell asleep. Uh huh. Um and then I started to take her back to her room and she right. woke up. Oh, yeah. And I felt oh, yeah. her like grip around my
1: neck. Whoa.
0: <laughs> so I said, okay, yeah. all right. So she slept with me, yeah,
1: yeah, for the night, yeah, yeah, for a couple of nights, yeah, a couple of
0: nights, a couple yeah. of nights. She slept with me, yeah, yeah. Now, now, play this forward, hmm, years down the line. Years so, that's down, how I introduced her to Blade, that's to how I
1: introduced Blade, me. too. Right, and, right.
0: and that was her first
1: horror film, first horror film. And,
0: and and you know, she handled
1: it. I mean, it's not Carrie, so yeah, or the Amityville horror.
0: Down the line, maybe about four or five years, I can't remember, we watched this movie called uh The Descent. Okay. You've never seen it. Vince. No. You will not make it through the movie. Yeah, I'm not. It's watching. one of the scariest movies you will ever see. Yeah, I'm not watching it. And it scared the bejesus out of her. She loves horror movies. Okay. Funny thing. Funny fun fact. She loves horror movies. Mm-hmm. She's like you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like ghosts. Hey, Amen. She'll watch a ghost movie. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. But she don't like ghosts.
1: Oh no. Uh-uh. Nope.
0: We watched The Descent. She loves it. Loves it. Invites her girlfriends over to watch The Descent. Okay. They're purposely huddled up down in the living room, and I taught my daughter when you watch films, you turn off all the lights. That's right. She turns off all the lights in the rooms, and then she comes upstairs and she says, Dad, can I turn off all the lights in the house? All right. I said, Sure. I said,
1: But I said, is she going to murder her girlfriends?
0: (laughs) I said, you know, they're really going to be scared. It's like about four girls down there, and they're already like mad, nervous because Olivia's hyped up this film. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, you really want to do that to them?
1: She's like, you took me to see. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they actually call that a cycle of abuse. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's called a cycle. There's a name for that.
0: So I've raised her well. So
1: you've raised her well.
0: So anyway. Blade 2. Blade 2. Um, that being, all this being said, and yeah. all of us talking about the missed opportunities of the film, and yeah. everything like that, and, and the story is very hodgepodge patched together, I feel. Um, I still come away liking the movie.
1: I don't even think you have to have that. I I I don't think
0: you need that hesitant tone. I just, I still look, look at it. And, and I think it's primarily because of it. It is definitively primarily because
1: of Wesley Snipes. I, I think Wesley Snipes. And again, I think it's funny when you're listing Guillermo del Toro's body of work. And what I realize is I, I do not like his unfiltered vision. Mm. As much as I like it, when it is something is well filtering it, like so like, you didn't like, like Pan's Labyrinth? I, I, it left me cold. Like like to me, I, I I'm not a huge fan of Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, one thing that we didn't mention, like I love Mimic. Okay, yeah. And the thing I love about Mimic is that that's early in his career, right? So he couldn't go balls to the wall. That's true. I really, really love Hellboy, mm-hmm. and I think Hellboy for for I think you're right. I think he absolutely has a passion, had a passion for the material, but there's only so much he could do with it because it's, it's not his story. It's not his story, but that filtered his vision. I really like the first Pacific Rim. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I think you can see his vision. I love the design work in Pacific Rim mm-hmm. on the um on the monsters. Mm-hmm. But when it's just him, it's like, uh, you know I like it. It's all right. But I, everything that you listed, I like that that where there's something kind of slowing him down better. Oh, so where are you on Shape of Water? You know, I still haven't seen it. Oh, really? I still have not seen it. And, and Blade 2, I think, Blade 2 is my third favorite Guillermo del Toro film. Like, Hellboy is my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like, Hellboy is where he and I meet and and are perfectly aligned. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big fan of Mimic mm-hmm. as well. And then this, like like, any hesitancy I have about Blade 2 is just because Blade... Was so pure, yeah, and so good and so unique, and yeah. and again, I think the irony is that Blade Two ages more badly than Blade, yeah. So, but no, I I, I like Blade Two a lot.
0: Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I it. do. It's I, a good movie. I do like the film. It's, it's fun. It's it it, it is action packed. Um, uh, I do. There's a part of me that. As horrific as some of those scenes are, and I guess they do lend to this being a superhero horror film, I, there's still a part of me that sees this more as an action film and maybe and Blade more and the original more horror. Like, there's more horror to the original to me than I think. Really? That's interesting. I, I think because... Because I think the horror of Blade Two is the gore. I mean, I guess yeah. you could say the story, because it's vampire. How about the design work? I mean, the design work. It, the but the, the design work is is stunning. But yeah. it's the same level of design work you see in
1: Hellboy, and Hellboy is not horror to me. Well, I think tonally it's different. Hellboy is way pulpy, right? Yeah, totally. You get like that whole sequence in the sewers. Mm-hmm. I thought was way more effective than it should have been. Okay. Yeah, and that's true. That is
0: true. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's horror. I right. just to me, Blade maybe leans more on horror. Okay. You know, but 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 it, either either way, right. They're both they both good films. Yeah. The shame of it
1: is what comes next. <laughs> wow. Blade Trinity. We'll save that for either Halloween or may I or have may I have, have, I have, have another. another. <laughs> <laughs> One of my little hobbies now. I just like reading people's accounts. Oh of yeah. Three. Oh yeah. Ryan Reynolds is hilarious talking about Blade Three.
0: See. And I just have,
1: everyone around played through. I
0: haven't read his accounts. I've oh. always read Patton
1: Oswald. Oh, all of them. Yeah, Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswald goes Pat, in. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He goes in. I'm hoping Wesley Snipes talks some more about
0: it. Do you? Ha, okay, but Wesley Snipes, he,
1: he has said that a lot of that stuff is not true. Well, that's why I really want to hear him go in about it. I believe Patton Oswald. I'm not saying I don't believe Patton Oswalt. I just want to hear Wesley Snipes' side of it.
0: I just want to hear more from Wesley Snipes. Yeah,
1: like like I think the real treat for me, the not the treat, the real surprising treat, like like I've you know I've, I've I'm well well it's well documented. Like I've been really 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 enjoying the My Name Is Dolomite publicity because we're getting so much Eddie Murphy. But what has been really surprising to me is how much I've enjoyed Wesley Snipes mm-hmm. in his interviews. And I realize I want more from Wesley Snipes, like sit-down interviews and and, oh, yeah. and and long journalism about him. And I'm hoping that he talks a bit about... And opens up. And opens up about specifically Blade 3. Because I think everyone at this point is on is is, is is like on message that he was the problem mm-hmm. so now I want to hear
0: what he has to say see I want to hear what he has to say but I want to hear him talk about Blade 3 with Patton Oswalt
1: I mean I mean that'd be nice hopefully they can sit in a room together
0: that's what I want to hear yeah. no, no, see I think he could sit in a room with Patton Oswalt he couldn't sit in a room with Ryan Reynolds right yeah. But I think Pat Oswald I think he could he could sit in the room yeah. there. Um th- that's that's the story I I want to hear because I think you have to have at least two of the people there for me to one hundred percent believe what is being said. Sure. Because otherwise it's
1: just you're getting another all right, this is Wesley's. Take. Right, there's now his side of it. Well, that's actually the way I like these things. Like, I like to hear everybody's side.
0: Well, I like to hear them together.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But um, Blade Two. Blade Two. So, t- is it a black film? Oh, absolutely. All right. The funny thing is, I think it's less of a black film than Blade. Like, I think Blade is real black. Like, it's oh the Lost. Le- oh less of a oh yeah yeah, like, yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. D- this is def. This is definitely one of those films where it's um. Like to me, it, early in my in the run, I probably wouldn't have said it was a black film. Right. I Actually, probably would have said Blade Two was, but um, uh, it's just it's just Wesley Snipes' action star, right? Like this right. this is this is like action Jackson, right? 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 You know exactly. I mean? Exactly. Um. So yes, decidedly f- a, a, a black yeah. film. Would you recommend this film? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd
1: absolutely recommend Blade Two. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it doesn't age super great, but still fun. Right. And who don't want to see a young Donnie Yen?
1: Who who doesn't <laughs> see a young but to that Donnie Yen point, the thing that I really like about Blade 2 as opposed to something like even The Matrix Reloaded. I think because so many of the effects are practical effects. Yeah. You don't get that that you got with those special effects in the early 21st century mm-hmm. with the elongated figures doing the jumps and all. I think Blade 2 really dodges that bullet for the most part. Like, there are maybe two or three instances that even at the time I remember watching going, Ooh, that. Yeah. Ooh, it There's looks a like, couple. But it's not a lot. Not a lot at all. So, yeah. But yeah, I'd absolutely recommend Blade 2. All right, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. Blade 2. Fire it up. It's good watching. Absolutely. All right. Before we get into what we're going to be reviewing next week, I invite you all to send us all of your feedback, your comments, and your concerns. Email us at the me show mission at gmail.com. Me show is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Join the Facebook group Me Show Mission. Follow us on all the social medias, Me Show Mission. That includes Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, you can uh, give us a review, a five-star review on the podcast show of your choice, especially if it's Apple Podcasts, because that helps people find our show. and then Yes, get more yes, downloads yes. It. it spreads the word, it spreads the mission, onward and upward. Our show is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, Podglomerate, curated podcast just for your listening pleasure, and it is available in an edited form, very brah, <laughs> and um... Every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM People powered Media in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection it's called Philly Cam. Philly Cam. They recently held their uh the 2019 Cami Awards Yeah. And our our Big Daddy podcast as it were uh the Black Tribbles They were uh, awarded yet another cameo award for their web series, Tribbles After Dark. They Mm -hmm. won the Presence Award. And the episode, well, the segment which was awarded said Presence Award was from their Geek Den um, episode where I myself went around and interviewed a couple of people that have these very elaborate and, and very funky, like, you know, domiciles of geekdom within their homes. Mm-hmm. And the segment that was awarded the cameo award was my very special interview with my partner Vince. Yes. Yes, the indeed. Mission.
1: yes, indeed. So, in a way, we won. In a way, we, we won. We won a cameo. We award. won a cameo award. Look what we did for our daddy. That's right. And show him how it does. That's right. Two years in a row. That's right.
0: All right. Also, you can check out our show <laughs> every Monday morning 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. Alright, next week. Alright. It's um, the right. last show of uh, Halloween, right? No, no. We... It, or is this oh. the last show of Halloween? No, no next week.
1: Is, no, this is the last show.
0: Oh, that's right, because see, we've changed our recording
1: schedule. Right, right, right. Ladies and gentlemen. So So we're talking to you from the distant <laughs> past through the mist of time. So of the, October twenty fourth.
0: Right. <laughs> Which means that this show actually won't run until October thirtieth. Right. So it will be our last show yeah. of Halloween. Yes, I oh, so now I got to choose another film. <laughs> I mean you, should, you got a list, don't you? You should have a list. I do have a 200? list, but but I I my
1: I, you want an extra one? You want to do an extra one?
0: When I set up my my list, I actually forgot about Halloween. Right. So I was like, oh, so I got to throw in all these horror films. Yeah. So ah oh, man, all right, well, all right, no, I I I'm, I'm going to go to go to my list. All right, I'll, I'll save that one. And I'm going to go to a film that I'm not sure if you've ever heard of, Vince. Okay. And I myself only became aware of it fairly recently. Okay. Um, but I checked it out, and I enjoyed it immensely. Okay. It's from 1968. Okay. It is a crime drama. Okay. Directed by Gordon Fleming. Uh, okay. And it stars. I'm going to read for you the stars. Okay. From bottom to top. Oh, okay. This is from the bottom. I I hear you. I'm listening. Gene Hackman. Bruh. Donald Sutherland. Oh, oh, my goodness. Warren Oates. Okay. Jack Klugman. Oh. Ernest Borgnine. Sounds really good. I don't know how it's black. but. Julie Harris. Okay. Diane Carroll. Okay. And in the lead, Jim Brown. Oh, I think I
1: know what this is.
0: 1968, based on Richard Stark's Parker novel, The Seventh. We will be watching The Split. Yeah. Yeah. With music by Quincy Jones. I was about to say, probably Quincy Jones. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is going to be good stuff. And you know why this movie is historic? Why? This is the first film
1: to earn an R rating. Interesting. You for me, you could have just said it's based on a Richard Stark. True. Richard Stark's I Parker. I know. Series. I know. So, does Jim Brown play Parker? I gotta watch the
0: movie. You never saw it, did you?
1: No, no, I've never seen it. I've I've heard because I'm 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 not a Parker guy, mm-hmm. but like I like I like Parker mm-hmm. and I knew that there I knew that Jim Brown was in a Parker film. That's really, really in, Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this is a good this is a good pull. Oh yeah. When this I watched is, it, I was like, oh, this is going on the list. This is a good pull. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right.
0: And I'm almost certain nobody, well, very few of the missionaries. Our missionaries are very. I was about to say easy. They probably have. <laughs> you about to say. A few <laughs> of them probably have heard of it. <laughs> right. But most of them probably haven't. Uh, look, I, that's
1: Lynn talking. I'm just saying. I didn't say that at all.
0: You hadn't? Okay. Just because I hadn't. I'm just saying. But once you missionaries watch. Missionaries sh- always know stuff I don't know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But I'm telling you, this is a movie. I'm looking forward to okay. this. Robert Monroe knows this film. Okay. The rest of the missionaries uh, is probably look, about a good 70-30. We're going to keep talking. All right. But this film, once you watch it, I'm you'll realize it. why this is this is where I'm looking
1: forward to this.
0: The split next okay. week on the Michelle Mission, All right. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say.
1: We'll see you when it's time to meet again.